Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday edition of The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond and uh, last Tuesday of Ordinary Time that we're going to experience for a little bit here because of course tomorrow, Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. And want to also encourage you, if you haven't done it, it's not too late, you can still sign up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass. Father Rocky is our Executive Director here at Relevant Radio and every day throughout Lent, you're going to have an opportunity to learn about the Mass. Uh, Father Rocky has had these lessons on the Mass that he's provided for a few years now uh, during Lent, but he also has recorded additional video footage there in our chapel, in our offices in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And he walks you through a lot of the different things that you see, a lot of the things that we do, the the things that the priest says, the prayers, the things that we respond as the laity. Um, it, he walks you through a lot of that and things that we've never offered before. And it's absolutely free when you just sign up. You'll get it in your email inbox every single morning throughout all of Lent. And all you have to do is go to relevantradio.com or go on the Relevant Radio app, you'll see the banner there, Lenten Lessons on the Mass. Just click on that, and you can enter your email, and you'll get that uh, as a way to help you really kind of embrace Lent for all 40 days of it, and uh, hopefully encourage you to get a lot more out of the Mass during the course of Lent. Now, as we begin our program today here on this Tuesday, when you were a child, when you had that first day of school that was approaching, were you someone who really looked forward to that? Maybe especially when you were younger. Was it exciting for you getting to go back, see some of your classmates that you hadn't seen all summer long? Maybe you had some new clothes or a new pair of shoes to start off the year. Your backpack full of all of those uh, new folders, pencils, pens, notebook, paper, and then, of course, the new experiences that go along with that. The first day of school, a new classroom, a new teacher. If you were older, maybe many new classrooms and many new teachers, right? In the town where I grew up, seventh grade was where all the students made the move from elementary school and then you started attending junior high school. And since the junior high that I attended, the building was a little over a mile away from my house, I had to start riding the bus to school. And my first day of seventh grade, everything went smoothly that morning. The bus stop, it was three houses down the road from where Matt, my very best friend, where he lived. So we met up, we rode together that first morning. At school, the first day of classes all went well. And at the end of the day, Matt and I, we met out by the side of the school where all the different buses were lined up to take students home. And it was at that point that Matt and I, we both looked at each other and we realized we didn't know which bus was ours. 
We hadn't paid attention to which number of bus we needed to get on. There were five of them that were lined up there. And Matt and I, we stood looking at all five of those buses, absolutely uncertain which was the right one. We were going back and forth. You know, was it that one? No? Okay. Uh, Do you recognize anybody getting on any of the buses? Is somebody that you saw ride with us this morning? Or maybe the bus driver. Does one of the bus drivers look familiar? And we kept that up for a couple of minutes, but we knew we were running out of time. We needed to get on our bus before they all started driving away. So Matt finally said, I I think it's this one. And he pointed toward the next to the last bus in line. And his, his guess was as good as mine. So we both decided, sure, we'll get on that bus. But within about 10 to 15 minutes of riding along there in that bus, we both started to suspect this is the wrong bus. It was driving further and further away from our neighborhood, and it didn't seem to be circling back at any point. And when Matt and I were finally the last ones there sitting on the bus, after the last stop, after the last other student got off, the bus driver looked back at us, asked, did you miss your stop? And we had to come clean and admit, nope, we didn't miss our stop. We got on the wrong bus. So the bus driver, she radioed back to her office to check on what she should do, getting next steps. And after she confirmed a plan with her supervisor, she said, all right, you're going to have to stay here on the bus with me. I have to stay on my schedule. And I have to go now to an elementary school and pick up a load of the kids there and drive them all to their homes. So Matt and I, we sat there at the back of this bus as we pulled into this elementary school. All these little kids start getting on the bus. They're sitting down, most of them, just staring at me and Matt. And as they're coming down the aisle looking at us kind of quizzically, we could imagine what they're thinking. Why are these two older boys here on our bus? And for Matt and I, it was rather embarrassing. And I don't know why. I I, I really don't know why. Neither one of us, back before we even got on the bus, why didn't one of us just simply ask somebody which is the right bus? But that probably goes to a deeper and larger question of why do 13-year-old boys do anything that they do? But we, we did, of course, make it home eventually. And as embarrassing as it was there in that moment, as much uncertainty, as much maybe anxiety as I might have gone through that afternoon, I'm really glad that Matt and I were there together. We were in it together. There's something about having that good friend that's by your side and you knowing you're not alone, knowing that you can help each other figure out how you're going to get through this. And you both know, you know, if it's something not too serious, you'll probably laugh about it eventually. (laughs) Eventually. Uh, A really good friend shares not only those good times with you, but they're by your side in some of those rough or those difficult moments too. And the same is true in our spiritual journey. It's important to have that friend who can walk along with you in the faith. But, you know, the older you get, the more difficult it might be to be able to find that friend that can talk to you as a fellow Catholic, a fellow believer, a disciple of Christ, someone with whom you feel safe to be honest about your struggles, about maybe the temptations that you face, as well as the joys, the victories in your spiritual journey, the good and the bad. That's a truly rare friend. Well, today we want to talk about the importance of those Christian friendships, those spiritual friendships, and how we can foster those friendships with other Catholics. And joining us is our spiritual director here on this Tuesday, Fat Tuesday, 
We've got Father Marcel Tyone back with us once again. Father Tyone is a priest in the Diocese of Providence, Rhode Island, and the pastor at St. Thomas More Catholic Church in Narragansett, Rhode Island. Father Tyone, I'm so glad to have you back here on The Inner Life today. Great to be with you. Happy Mardi Gras to everybody. Good to be together. Well, and uh, we're on the right bus this morning as we're talking about spiritual friendship and <laughs> want to want to look at, I think before um, maybe we talk about practical steps, maybe just look at how we are created as humans. Uh, you know, going back to the creation story, we have where God creates Adam in the Garden of Eden, and there's one comment that God makes right away where you know, after everything is there, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life, everything's been created. And God looks and he says, it is not good for the man to be alone. And I think that might be a good place to start. Can, can you kind of help us understand we are not designed to be isolated, to be off on our own. We really are created to live in, at least in some way, in community with others. Yeah, and actually even, um, I think even a deeper is in communion, right? We're in communion, which is our, our spirit, our soul, our mind and body being communion with others. Uh, so yes, the creation story is the greatest place to start. God creates everything, and he creates humanity, man and woman, in his own image and likeness, uh, with reason, intelligence, with free will, all these things that other species do not have. And of course, the definition of hell is complete isolation, and our goal to be with Christ, Mary, and the saints forever is to be in communion for all eternity, not lacking in any experience of love or fulfillment. So for a human being to be fulfilled uh, in the next life is to be with Christ and the Trinity in the presence of the Trinity forever, to be in total communion, total loving presence in and with each other. Um, we know that God himself, right, Jesus, how do we know God Jesus has a father. They'd sent the Holy Spirit. So God himself, when he entered humanity, has revealed that God himself in his interior self is three unique persons, but in communion, in union with each other. So God is the perfect example in the Trinity of what we're talking about, that we become part of on the day of our baptism. So the day you were baptized, if you already are, um, you entered into that communion, that communion that God has Within himself, within himself, with the three persons. So it's all about being Catholic, being Christian. It's all about coming into communion, so that we are not alone, not isolated. Um, and and obviously, when when two human beings believe Jesus is the Son of God, and they profess that faith, however imperfectly, um, if you will, the highest definition of friendship is sort of spiritual friendship, where we both share that same goal uh, to want to get to heaven, but also to know. God in this life, and and what what does that what does faith do? It eradicates loneliness. We know we have Christ with us and other people, so we all have human relationships. You talked about the bus story with your friend Matt. Um, that that's a beautiful story about a human a friendship and, and going through these kind of adolescent travails of of life together, not alone. It would have been more scary if you were alone. But God believes that in any in any of our lives, especially after we sin, or maybe a friendship falls apart, or a family is sort of the interior communion of a family might be stressed or breaking or alienation. All these things, our faith life, our communion with Jesus, and hopefully spiritual friendships where 
A spiritual friend is someone who would want us to do, to know and do God's will in our life, not just our own will. And then it becomes, again, I think one of the great sidebars, one of the effects of what happens when this happens is that we're not alone, especially even and in suffering and after sin. And uh, I think most people, if you think of your own life, you have the memories like the bus, but maybe you know, memories in life where someone forgave you or you forgave someone or you went to confession or you asked, how many times we ask someone to pray for us? So how many times have you been asked to pray for someone? How many times have we said we would pray for someone? Every time we do that, we're kind of offering some kind of spiritual communion, not a close spiritual friend, but we're recognizing the spiritual communion that is the body of Christ. So every time someone asks us to pray for them and we say yes, we're, we're accepting to, if you will, to strengthen that communion with the sick, the person's intention. So this happens all the time. I think we just don't think about it in this way. So that's why this topic is great. Uh, On a Mardi Gras Tuesday, lots to celebrate. Our fasting starts tomorrow. But maybe it's a day to take stock of people in our lives that we share communion with God with. Uh, Maybe you are blessed to have spiritual friendships, one or several or many. Or maybe you want them. You can ask God to give you those today. They might already exist in your life, might not call them that, but I think uh, certainly in parish communities and people at Relevant Radio, we can sort of have have the, what Relevant Radio does. Relevant Radio is a virtual parish that fosters a communion, that no one's alone. You can be in a nursing home room, we can be podcasting, walking around, be in the car, we can listen to an old show even and experience the Holy Spirit that we're not alone because the body of Christ is with us. That's one of the, the gifts of Relevant Radio. It's a, the virtual parish that's all about spiritual communion. So spiritual friendship is an authentic human friendship we have with two people of the Lord. Spiritual communion is we have with so many, all the people in the body of Christ and to different degrees and levels that we share that. So again, I, I think it's a great Fat Tuesday conversation. So whoever chose them, I'm glad. I think you all chose well for, for today. <laughs> well, we're going to blame Nick for choosing well. Nick's our producer here, and uh, he is the one who, who said, oh, we should talk about this today. So um, as we're talking about this idea, though, of spiritual friendship, you know, you're talking about how there are there might be friends that we can have a far deeper relationship with where there is more substance for us. And then there might be where there are those uh, maybe even though you talk about a spiritual friendship, it might be kind of a spiritual acquaintance. You know, we pray for each other, we get to know each other a little bit more. We still can have those moments, though, even when we have those relationships where we still feel isolated. And I, I guess there's a couple of thoughts that come to mind. One is how do we, how do we, just as you're even saying with Relevant Radio, kind of being that virtual parish so that we're, we know we're not alone, but that doesn't necessarily, even though you have that intellectual knowledge that, okay, I'm not going through this on my own, you can still have the emotions that make you feel like you are out there isolated on your own. Nobody understands what I'm going through or, you know, why, do, why is God allowing me to go through this? You can have those moments... So there's that side of it, the emotions, but then there's also the side of that where it can be, that's not necessarily God speaking. That's the enemy trying to make you feel like you're isolated and get you kind of in this trap of despair. How do we guard ourselves against both sides of that? 
Well, you bring up a good point, right? So, yeah, sure. I mean, the enemy wants us to not believe God is God loves us, and sometimes suffering comes, especially kind of a perceived innocent suffering. I mean, you know, tomorrow we're all going to hopefully have ashes put on our head, recognizing that we're all in need of salvation and that we all are mortal, immortal in baptism by the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, but even the sign on Ash Wednesday reminds us of our, of our mortality, our, our dependence upon God. But the enemy wants us to not believe that God loves us, and, and as you're taught, pointing out rightfully so and, and perfectly that sometimes when we go through sufferings, no one no one understands, no one cares about me, and then, then we hear that whisper, God God is either doing this to you, um, you know, there is no God, or how can a loving God allow this? And of course God allows it, but he also is with us, and, and if we look at it, that's why we need to spend more time on the passion of Jesus, on his suffering, he was innocent, and I think we... Uh, that's why I'm glad, you know, the Catholic Church has crucifixes everywhere. And they're helpful to us because every time you see one, my gosh, Jesus, you have, God has suffered so much for me and, and literally remained on the cross for me so that I wouldn't be alone even when he said, you know, let this cup pass me by. Even God allowed himself, his son, to experience that situation. So it's a helpful thing, I think, to kind of recall those experiences of Jesus and then just speak to him. Just say, Lord, you know, this is hard for me. I, f- I feel alone. I feel abandoned by you. You just tell him that. You tell Jesus the truth. I feel abandoned by you, Jesus. And kind of telling him that may make us have that grace of him consoling us, and then we understand more what Jesus went through. So nothing is lost, all is redeemed, and, and all is made new. We just have to be careful. You know, fe- our feelings are not equated with our faith, neither are they equated with love and human relationships. Sometimes we have all kinds of feelings towards people, but but the will that chooses to love and to will the good of the other, that's where love blossoms, and, and that's where faith grows. So that, that's what we're going to ask God for, and I think you know, maybe this show, maybe the Holy Spirit chose us to have this spiritual friendship conversation on Fat Tuesday. Maybe part of our Lenten program can be to evaluate those relationships that are spiritual acquaintances, as you call them, or spiritual friendships, and becoming that to others uh, who may not even know what it is, who might not know Christ, but sort of being ever so gentle, you know, offering to pray for people that don't know Christ or don't know how to pray. I always find that's very moving for people. If they know you're real believing in a prayer, you can sort of do a, a charitable spiritual acquaintance reach out. And they might be in that lonely place we're talking about, and we don't know. Um, I had that happen yesterday, matter of fact, with someone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found it very moving and sort of an affirmation that, that God's at work and loves this person who doesn't know who God is, but a good person, but, but going through a lot of sufferings, a lot of trials. And uh, I just looked with... In, intentionality and said, you know, I'm going to pray for this person you're worried about and I'm going to pray for you. And his eyes kind of welled up because he he doesn't really know how to pray. He doesn't have any faith, but a good heart, a good man, and he's suffering terribly. And he, he probably feels like what you're talking about, just this kind of abandonment in life kind of thing. But but I, I know when I did pray for him, but our listeners to do that too. But I, I think that's how it works. Um, so that that's all going on. And I think we also need to maybe do a nice inventory of who are the people Jesus has placed in your life that have been spiritual acquaintances, maybe said that one thing too that took away the loneliness or the edge, the the false perception that one is alone. Maybe you went through something difficult in your family, your marriage, your work situation, and someone you know someone helped carry you through that. They listened to us or they walked with us, and and just you know Pope Francis talks about it all the time, just being accompanying other people, and uh, mm-hmm. we can do that right. every day. And uh, you know maybe this Lent is the Lent of accompaniment, the Lent of uh, spiritual friendship that, uh, you know, kind of that, 
supernatural outreach that that's so simple to do and and maybe that's part of our show today well and and as you're talking about this too you know you you've said a couple of things that have stood out one you said just by virtue of our baptism we are in that communion of spiritual friendship you also mentioned that through those spiritual friendships, it allows us to get to know God better. Uh, so we've got kind of a, a both sides of the same coin here. We have to have that, that, that initiation into the body of Christ. We have to have that relationship with Christ to be able to have these spiritual friendships. But because we have these spiritual friendships, then we get to know Christ even better. Um, and maybe we can talk about friendship with Christ as kind of a foundational point for other friendships as well. Because one of the things that I, I was thinking about in the life of Christ, he has that friendship with the two sisters and the brother, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And this seems like a very different relationship than he has with almost anybody else. Anybody else that we come across, they seem to always be, at least at some point, you know, even if there is that, that good friendship there, they've asked for something. They want something out of Jesus. And the only real thing we get out of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus is the only thing that they ask. Martha just says, tell my sister to help me. But outside of that, they don't really ask for anything. And even before Jesus ascends to heaven, he goes to Bethany, where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus live. We don't, we're not told that he goes there to spend time with them. I've just always kind of assumed they're good friends. He wants to go and spend time with his friends before he ascends to heaven. So in that, we, we see this relationship. And then, especially when Lazarus dies, we get to see the emotions of Jesus that are brought forth. Even though Jesus knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he still ends up sharing in that sadness and that loss in that moment there with Mary and Martha. What stands out to you in the interactions, the friendships that we see here between Jesus and then Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? Well, you bring up a great point. I've always been fascinated by, you know, of course, Jesus is both God and man. And in his divinity, he's friends and knows everything about every human person that ever was and ever will be. But in his human nature, we see in his human experience you already had this sort of this um, like human friendships with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, as of course I think the beloved disciple John too probably would stand out in some way. You know, Peter, Peter, James, and John, and John kind of the us, the ultimate spiritual friend of Jesus, I would say, in regard to our topic. But Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, you know, all siblings. So every sibling is different, and every family, even identical twins, are two different people. And uh, we find Jesus keep going to Bethany, sort of like um, God. Well, none of us, God, never took a day off, uh, but it's sort of like, I mean, a place to recharge, to rest, and to be right, comfortable right. and. And maybe not so preaching, kind of like, you know, you think about priests go off and spend time with friends and family, and we're still a priest, we're still doing all that. But I always think Jesus, the high priest, even he took time to be kind of, you know, kind of really just like holy leisure with them, you know, and knew them really well. And you're right, he comes, I love it, because in the gospel, uh, when Lazarus dies, again, Jesus knows all things in his divinity, but in his humanity, enters into the grief process with his close friends. And, of course, he he goes to the tomb, and we know he, he weeps. The shortest line in all the scripture is two words, he wept. Um, Jesus cried. Why did he cry? Lazarus died. So Jesus is sharing in the grief that Martha and Mary have. And, uh, of course, they all would have seen that he cried, and they remembered it because they wrote it down. It's, it, was been, it would have been told over and over again in many of the stories about Christ. 
um, that he got sad that day. And I think that's, uh, so basically, if you're grieving, or a lot of people will all grieve in our lives at different levels at different times, but that's a great passage to remember, and Jesus accompanies them. Then, of course, he raises Lazarus, um, and, you know, different times he's been to that place. He already went to Bethany. You know, what happens when someone goes into hospice in our life? They want to see the closest people. The closest people drop everything. And we go see that person and and just have that very sacred time with them. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus was kind of in a, a foreshadowed hospice, a different kind. But he knew he was going to be have this brutal, brutal death in, in very short hours. And, and he went there and, uh, and and goes to the place where, you know, if we knew we were going to die, where what houses would we want to go to for dinner before? And it's a great question that might help. Reveal to us our mm, spiritual friendships, sure. our spiritual acquaintances, too. Where, where would you go if you're listening? Where where would you go? Who would give you consolation? Um, and I, I think that's a great meditation as well for us today. But Jesus has this wonderful relationship with them. Then I've always thought one of the things I love to imagine the most of all of Scripture is Lazarus's second funeral. So imagine he dies and he's raised up, right? He's not resurrected, he's resuscitated, basically, different than Christ. Um, but we know he's raised up, and he would have had another funeral. And I would have, imagine how much happier the second funeral would have been. You know, I just think it would have been so very different uh, in so many ways. And I always try to imagine that scene um, and what Martha and Mary would have been like, presumably if he died first, we don't know. But um, even if they had died, I think Lazarus, you know, nobody would have been as afraid of death anymore. It would have been much more of a celebration uh, in light of what that transpired. And I think you know, friendship with Jesus changes how we grieve, changes our relationships in the afterlife because of him. And so it's a, it's an amazing reality that we're talking about today. Yeah, friendship transforms that, our outlook. That has conquered even death. Yeah, friendship friendship with Jesus transforms even our relationships with our deceased loved ones. That's how powerful it is. And uh, that's that's an astounding piece of good news, you know. <laughs> And I love yeah. that Bethany was the place kind of that was revealed to us, and it's a great reminder to us um, why why Lent and Easter is so so sacred and so important. But uh, I love he went there on the way there. I think it's a great. It's what we do. He kind of did what we would do, and he's he shared our life. So he wanted to be with people. The house where he probably had his favorite chair at the dinner table, where he always sat, and you know whatever. I'm sure they had a routine like right. we do. We. Kind of I enjoy them. They way. enjoy me. We just like being around each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I think that's it. And it isn't that great that God chose to do that just to hang around. Of course, Jesus is different, but the same. You know, I think it's the same, but different, yep. but the same. And and I yep. think that's so encouraging to us. Father Marcel Tayon is our spiritual director today. Uh, he is a priest in the Diocese of Providence, Rhode Island, pastor at St. Thomas More Catholic Church in Narragansett, Rhode Island, and today talking about spiritual friendship and how our, our common um, family bond in Christ allows us to have those friendships and how those friendships allow us to get to know Christ better. How has that close friendship that you have with someone, how has it helped you to grow stronger in your faith? Have you seen that, have you seen that fruit in the life of your own, your own life, or of a friend of yours, where maybe they've grown in their faith because of your friendship? 
You can call in and join the program here at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Maybe finding that spiritual friend has been very difficult for you, and you have a question for Father Tyone that you'd like to ask, 888-914-9149. Email address at relevantradio.com, and we'll continue our conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. Today we're talking with Father Marcel Tyone about spiritual friendships. And have you had those friendships in your life? Maybe that one, that two, that three, those three people um, that have helped you grow in your knowledge and your love of the faith, grow closer to Christ. Or maybe you've seen that in one of those friendships as they've been able to grow in their faith. And uh, maybe it's something where you want that and you just feel like you've never had it and you don't know exactly where to start, where to turn, how to look for those friends. You can call in and talk with Father Tyone at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. also want to um, mention, in case you haven't heard this, Pope Francis has asked all the faithful, in fact, beyond just the faithful, asked all humans of goodwill to dedicate tomorrow. We're already going to be fasting as Catholics for Ash Wednesday, but Pope Francis has asked us to dedicate our fasting for world peace tomorrow because of the conflict that we're seeing there in the Ukraine. And so I'd very much encourage you, make that part of your prayers, make that part of your fasting that you offer up tomorrow uh, here in union with prayers and the fasting of so many others. Um, We're also going to dedicate the family rosary across America tomorrow night with Father Rocky at 7 o'clock Central. You can tune in and listen to that as they'll be praying for peace in our world, peace in Ukraine, and just peace in all of our hearts. So I very much encourage you to tune in, join together, pray the family rosary across America tomorrow. Again, that's 7 o'clock Central in the evening, and uh, dedicate that prayer and that fasting that you observe tomorrow for Ash Wednesday for peace in our world. Uh, Father Tyone, as we continue our conversation about spiritual friendships, we talked about the that that image, that insight that we get into Christ, into his relationship there with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And so, you know, the next, I think, natural part of our conversation is then, how do we develop our friendship with Jesus in, in a very real way? You know, not something that's just merely, merely kind of theoretical, but how do we develop that, that relationship? What does that friendship look like? Because I think when it comes to God, especially if we, if we haven't delved deep into our spiritual life, it becomes really easy to look at Jesus and kind of like I said, with so many other people around Jesus, they're basically asking him for something or they're wanting something from him. And that can be us in a huge way too. But if I only had a friend who only ever asked me to do things for them, if I didn't offer my time to them, if I didn't offer to do things for them in return, 
it wouldn't really feel like that person was a true friend. So what does friendship with Jesus look like for us so that that can then inform how we grow in friendship with other people, other Catholics, other Christians? Well, it's a great question. It's probably the most important question of any relationship you and I have or anyone. The most important relationship should be with Jesus Christ. So God is a person. We're going to be a person. Um, can speak to Jesus. We should read the Gospels about him. We should have devotions to him. I think finding images or crucifixes that immediately move our hearts and our intellect, our imagination uh, are also very helpful. But speaking to Jesus is most important, just really speaking with him directly. Um, And obviously sacramental encounters with the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist at Mass, experiencing his direct absolution is amazing um, and doing that, but working on that relationship uh, and then I think you're right. You hit on something great. What's, what does a great prayer life look like? A really free person by Jesus, what can I do for you today? What do you want me to do for you? And we are that way. When we get to that place where we can actually really pray and mean that, um, then, then our whole life becomes much more adventurous, much more meaningful, and also much more trusting of God and faith. Um, and then when those difficult things come, we may not just turn to God and say, hey, help me get out of this or fix this. We could, we could still share those things. But when we say to the Lord, you know, what what do you want from me today? And he asks us something really hard, maybe something we don't want to do. Um, then then that's, where, that's where we show our love for him, but also where the friendship deepens. And I find, uh, you know, I was on a mission trip in southern Louisiana last week in a Lafayette diocese with a, a religious order of Jesus Christ crucified and their spirituality and things, but they, they meditate on the passion a lot, but they, they've given themselves over to Christ and they, they live this friendship individually as a community, but also individually. It was astounding to hear their vocabulary and, and they're so, they spend a lot of time in the chapel, but when you speak with them, they're joyful, they're young, but they also speak about Jesus, like their whole life is just us. Whenever they do something good, we go out and feed all these poor people doing these great things. We come home and you're sort of overwhelmed at their generosity and their patience with people that are very difficult and drug addicts and criminals, and they're all very joyful. And uh, come back and you tell any one of them, hey, you know, that was great. And they would say right away, differently, all alone, oh, just trying to say thank you to the Lord a little bit for all he's done for us. I mean, it was, mm. they were sort of doing all this great charity out of thanksgiving, for being saved and forgiven by God. It wasn't sort of a humanitarian effort. It was really sort of a Christian existence. And and it really challenged me and helped me understand what we're talking about today, that friendship with Jesus. They had that, but again, not just asking for things, but doing every, trying to consecrate what we do for God. And again, tomorrow, I think, you know, even the Holy Father has asked us to do that, or he's asked us to fuel our fasting, prayer, and almsgiving for Ukraine. So imagine how many people tomorrow are probably too afraid to go to Mass in Ukraine. People that are separated from their, sure. their fathers and yeah. brothers. People that are refugees. People that are hungry, afraid that they can't communicate. We can sort of consecrate our day tomorrow. It's going to be easier, I think, to fast tomorrow in greater ways because we've been challenged by the Holy Father to kind of do this for them in charity. And all of a sudden, I think we could have a great Ash Wednesday tomorrow. It would be the gift we can give to Ukraine, but in some bizarre way that their suffering can gift our Lent if we do what he's asking us to do. And it can, um, again, we talked about spiritual acquaintances or spiritual, you know, sort of intentionality. And I think tomorrow is a great way to kind of do that. But we we have to work on our relationship with the Lord. And, you know, you pray all those Ukrainians uh, that, that they too have this 
they are Christian, almost all of them, but we pray that uh, that they feel Jesus close to them when they're on the cross themselves, and we maybe spend some time praying for them tomorrow in kind of a, a special way that'll get us closer to Jesus. But that's a way. Maybe maybe this land, right? We flip over our prayer life, maybe in light of what you're talking about. But maybe we just, maybe this land, we just ask Jesus what He wants us to do for Him, um, rather than we're kind of in this little project in our head, less deserve. Yeah, sure. We kind of all have our right, right. Not not what do I, <laughs> not what do I want to give up, but <laughs> Jesus, what do you want me to give up? What do you want me to fast from? How? What are the prayers that I should be adding that you want me? to add into my daily routine, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's great, you know? Because Jesus may oh, ask okay, us to I, fast. Yeah, he, may, he might ask us even to fast from fasting from seeing certain people. Like with the oh, pandemic, yeah. a lot of people share with me that they don't... You can, we've all kind of been tempted to not see people that are, might be difficult or family members and kind of the pandemic veil, you know? Talk about statues being covered in lint. But I think, you know, maybe... Maybe we, if we ask Jesus, what do you want me to do? He might say, I want you to call this person that's hard to love. I want you to call them for me and see how they're doing. I mean, Jesus, what do you want me to do in a situation? My my children don't go to church. Maybe you just give them to me in your prayer. Give them, put them in the palm of my hand. Um, you know, or, you know, in other words, I don't know what he's going to say. Jesus is all knowing and he's all loving. But uh, he may ask us to do something that might hurt a little bit. Um, yeah, stretch sort a little. Of, uh, just... <laughs> Yeah, and I don't think it. If we ask Jesus, He may put in our mind something to do that's not so easy, but it might make us really holy. And um, I don't know. I just put out the challenge out there to myself too. But maybe that's yeah. uh, a different Lenten approach. We got to be careful not in our little routines and kind of like becomes like a New Year's resolution rather than an encounter with Jesus. We don't want right. this is not New Year's resolution <laughs> right. tomorrow. This is not <laughs> I'll, New Year's. I'll drop folks. desserts the so I can lose weight. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I think it's all great conversation today to help all of us kind of let the Lord percolate some new things in us, maybe. Uh, Father, let's go to the phones. Again, our spiritual director, Father Marcel Tyone, and our phone number to join in the conversation, 888-914-9149. As we're talking about spiritual friendships, how those encourage us, how we encourage others, so that together we're growing closer to Christ. We get to know Christ better through those spiritual friendships that we have here. And uh, again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Pablo, who's listening to us in Austin, Texas. Pablo, you're on the air with Father Tyone. Hello. Uh, Go right hi, welcome, ahead. Pablo. Oh, good. Good, thanks. I uh, wasn't sure. When, uh, okay, so I had a question. Uh, when Jesus, when Peter and Jesus were reconciling after Jesus had be, uh, Peter had betrayed Jesus, and uh, he says it three times, I believe it was the last, it was agape, agape, and it was maybe filios, and I wanted to understand that in relation to when when it says that no greater love than this uh, to lay down one's life for one's friends and in comparison to that because a lot of times we think i i guess maybe marital love and and friend love maybe jesus was saying really friend love is more important i don't know (laughs) Hmm. no you bring up some good points two two of my favorite scripture passages right so peter first peter we know more about Peter's weaknesses than, than most anybody else in the Gospels, really. Um, we have a lot of information on him, uh, and thanks be to God for that. And then we have this great passage that you're talking about after the resurrection when Jesus appears to him and asks him, do you love me? And many people believe because he denied Jesus three times, 
that Jesus asked him three times, sort of a healing those three wounds. Like Peter, how many times would he have recorded, replayed in his own mind as we all do? When we hurt someone we love and we feel bad about it, we kind of play those tapes over and over again. And now he got Pentecost and the Holy Spirit comes and that all happens eventually and he's a new man even will be crucified in St. Peter's Square in Rome. We know that. Um, but that, that you're right, that the words in the Greek, Jesus intensifies the meaning of love each time. And that last one is the love that gives all self-sacrificing love without expecting anything in return. Um, and that's that's where he invites Peter to share that love that he has for him and for all of us. Um, and yeah, that other passage is great. You know, no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that doesn't mean we have to be crucified in St. Peter's Square. It might mean that we... You know, we get through the day with our spouse, with our children, with our sick in-laws, our Alzheimer relative, our, you know, maybe the, the difficult co-worker, the things we don't feel like doing. That's where we lay down our life for our friends, who for Christ, our friend. It's, it doesn't have to be kind of so dramatic as in the gospel. Sometimes we know those stories, they help us. But I think sometimes our, our lives of faith, you're talking about friendships with, within marriage, friendships. I think Jesus wants healthy marriages, to, back to your question, and he wants us to have many spiritual friendships. That would be his goal and desire. You know, how that plays out and how we work that through depends on each one of us and, and even our life circumstances, where we live, who we see, sort of kind of there's ebbs and flows of that uh, in our lives. But I think it's it's a both and, not either or, to the initial question that Jesus desires, you know, good friendships in marriage, friendship with him, and spiritual friendships in life. We pray that that if you are married, the, the tripod, if you're celibate or religious, that we have spiritual friendships with, you know, other priests or the religious um, in, in that way. So so I think it, I think it, it was a great question, but I think it's 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 both and, not either or. And I think it goes back to, to friendship with Christ, Pablo. Well, and Father, you know, as Pablo is asking that question, the other thing that comes to my mind, as Jesus is asking Peter there, um, do you love me? And as you have said, and Pablo mentioned, he uses that word agape, that perfect self-sacrificial love. And Peter, every time he responds with that word phileo, that um, brotherly love. You know, do you love me perfectly, Peter? Well, Jesus, you know, I love you like a brother. And the last time then Jesus says, do you love me like a brother? And it, it, for me, I think it's a great lesson, not only that Jesus will meet us where we are, but if Jesus is willing to meet us where we are, I, I you know, if Peter doesn't have that perfect self-sacrificial love that he can offer to Jesus at this moment, even though he might get there eventually, Jesus is willing to meet him where he is. And in the same way, if there's somebody who is a friend of ours, but they can't love us the way we love them, we can still love them and say, maybe you'll get there eventually, but it's okay. I'll meet you where you are. You know, that, that's a great point. And that's where, you know, God is always in that situation with us, right? He loves us more than we love him. There's always, there's always sort of an inequality there. And, you're, so it's interesting, but what you're talking about is a very beautiful insight, I think, where if we love someone and we don't experience their love in return, um, or, you know, sometimes we love someone more than they love us, or even a great point, then they're capable of loving. They might be going through such a tragedy, been so hurt in their life, they're sort of not good at certain kinds of loving, and they're just beat up. And uh, these people, 
if we're capable of loving them, um, we mirror the Father's love, Christ's love for them. When when we love, kind of in in that greatness love. Um, so I, I think that's an awesome, awesome uh, thing you just brought up. I, I think that has us experience become more Christ-like and realize that we're always that recipient. So these people that may not love us the same way we love them, um, we too are in that exact situation with God. So uh, we certainly right. could be able to relate to that and, and not take offense at the maybe the gap there, you know. Father Marcel Tayon, our spiritual director, and I know we've got a lot of you holding on the phone. We're going to try and get to as many calls as we can here coming up next. Our number, 888-914-9149, to call into the studio as we're talking about spiritual friendship here on The Inner Life. More of your phone calls, more with Father Marcel Tayon next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today, we'd like to thank Richard, who's listening in California, for donating his Chrysler. Join in with thousands of other listeners to donate your old vehicle by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond. So glad to have you with us here today as we're talking about spiritual friendships. We're taking your calls also at 888-914-9149. We're talking with Father Marcel Tyone, a priest in the Diocese of Providence, Rhode Island. And uh, Father, before we go back to the phones, one thing that might be good to talk about is, you know, if you're a married person, it would naturally make sense that your spouse would be that obvious friend, that, that, that person you'd consider that close spiritual friend. But any advice for someone who is Catholic, but maybe their spouse isn't on that same page, whether they're not Catholic or maybe, you know, they're not religious at all. There's no kind of, you know, spiritual relationship there with a husband or with a wife. What can they do in that situation? Uh, some kind of delicate planning, right? So sometimes, yeah, it's sad. I've seen couples, you don't, you know, the person's spiritual needs have to be met, but in a way that complements the marriage. So the, the believer still has that that fidelity to Jesus and to maintain and support their spouse, even without faith. Maybe they lost faith. Maybe they never had faith. They married them knowing that. Maybe they've been through something. But you hope, you know, that person would let the other person practice their faith, but to get support in healthy spiritual friendships. So things, spiritual friendships that would support the marriage, not condemn the spouse without faith, but keep praying for that person to come around. Um, so yeah, that, that's a hard thing. I mean, I find one of the most beautiful things in the world is when a husband and wife actually both know Christ and have true spiritual friendship. I have many, many of those in my parish and my life. And they're, they're some of the most beautiful relationships that I ever see Christ in is those iconic marriages that have that. If you don't have that, don't be discouraged. I always say, well, geez, uh, we're so blessed. The Lord chose you to, your, your spouse is benefiting even more that mm-hmm. they don't yeah. have faith, but you have faith. It's a blessing for the for the other person. So make sure to at least approach it that way. Father, let's go back to the phones. Mike is listening in Mineola, Florida. Mike, uh, glad you called in. How uh, have you been able to develop some of those spiritual friendships in your life? Uh, hello, guys. Thank you for what you do. I uh, just wanted to um, tell you, I'm part of a group of men that meet every Thursday morning. We're doing it by Zoom during COVID, but we've been doing it for 12 years, four to six men, depending on the week and what, what we have in front of us to do. But I just want to let you know, it's really been a blessing in my life. Just to give you an example, last about 10 days ago, I found out my brother 
who is about 20 years older than me, uh, has liver cancer. It just got diagnosed, and uh, it was very, very emotional to be able to share with these men that that was that it happened. And I, there's not a lot of people I can share that other than my direct family. And it's just, and it makes you very accountable to your relationship with Christ. To know, you know, we're, and we're urged to not only pray and study. But we're, we're urged to have action. That is, whoever we're meeting on the street, whoever we meet, uh, in any kind of way to try to present Christ to that person. So it's really a blessing to be able to have this group of men to share really my life and uh, especially my relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with. Amen, Mike. And I think you, you bring up a good point, right? There are many groups like that around the country in different parishes, different lay associations, but we have one here, meaning 20-something years, about 18 guys. I know in Louisiana, where I was, they have they meet at 5.30 in the morning down there. Some men meet and once a week, and it's powerful. I think just the same thing, what you're saying, we have it here. But I think if, you, if you're, if no matter who you are, if you've never done a small group, you want to find the right one, but it's a spiritual strengthening, as Mike can hear in his voice. He's free and kind of becomes a better evangelizer, and you kinda, you're, you're not alone trying to bring others to Christ, but also when you go through sufferings like he went through, that you have a prayer support team. And if you don't have one in your parish, you might want to start one. Talk to your pastor, talk to lay leadership. And uh, you only need like three people, you know, to start. And uh, you just some, sometimes a lot of groups just go over the Sunday readings ahead of time. Uh, they read those out loud and kind of share. That's a simple way to do it without being all Bible study. You start there. Um, you know, people, your St. Joseph, men of St. Joseph exist. Uh, Knights of Columbus have prayer groups. I know some of them. And so I, I think he brings up a great point. We can have these, go to these small groups that are with the church, you know, with the faith um, and, and, and sponsor. But I think my witnesses to that, and I would suggest, uh, I know we could get calls all day about that. A lot of people have these sure. these kind of groups they have. So very, very encouraging and a great reminder to everyone about our topic today for spiritual friendship. We're uh, just about out of time here. Unfortunately, not going to be able to take any more phone calls. Father, before we do wrap up the hour here, any recommendations of saints that might have been friends that, uh, you know, if you yeah, read about so, their life, it gives you some good insight into those spiritual friendships? So two things come to mind. St. Elred of Revo was a monk. So we want to kind of get into the roots of it all. He had great writings about spiritual friendship and monasticism. But those of you that know what Liturgy of the Hours is, um, on January 2nd, I believe, Saints Basil and Gregory were friends. They were both uh, religious, consecrated um, there's a letter in the breviary that comes up once a year, and it's a letter written from one to the other about what spiritual friendship is. And I, I wish I'd thought of mm. at the top of the hour. Um, I would encourage everyone to read that. It's January 2nd, Liturgy of the Hours, Basil and Gregory, and it's the letter. It's a short letter, but it really espouses what we're talking about. Um, encourage people to try to find that and maybe get some ideas for Lent from it. It's a Good. great read, and it's short, and uh, packs a punch to the heart. So I would go there. Wonderful. Father, about 30 seconds here for a final blessing for our listeners as we conclude the hour. Heavenly Father, give us the grace to thank you for this this hour, all of us listening to the show presently or later, that our, our friendship with you might grow from all we've heard and shared. Bless our callers, every listener. Give us the grace to be spiritual friends, to always be spiritual acquaintances, to be ready to witness to the communion of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and bless our Lent and our coming Easter week, Holy Week. Bless the Ukraine and bless all of you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God's Amen. blessings to all. 
Thank you so much, Father Tyone. Uh, stay tuned. Mass is up next. I hope to see you back here tomorrow. We're going to talk about Ash Wednesday and Lent. Hopefully get you off on the right foot.